Hello, and welcome back to another Creators Chat. Uh, we are going to talk about everyone's favorite subject, uh, all the things you're avoiding in your art that you're also really bad at because you're avoiding them. Um, this is something I'm pretty sure all of us have done uh, and probably still do. Um, I think we've all got areas in our art that are weaker than others, and we just act like they don't exist and just avoid them for years, never do them, don't talk about them, don't address them, never practice them, get worse at them. Generally hate yourself for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna talk about them and hopefully come up with at least a few solutions on how to address them, um, ways to address them, and uh, how to get past all the mental minefield that comes up with this. So <laughs> I'm sure this is something you've done a lot as well. Oh, good Lord. Well, to be fair, I think I'm gonna start by saying uh, I, I don't believe that there is an artist out there who finds everything equally easy, um, that they are equally strong at all things and there is nothing they cannot do artistically. That just isn't a thing. If there's anyone you look up to that you think is just like good at everything, they're either um, lying or you're not seeing the stuff they're bad at. It's right. like, <laughs> it doesn't happen. There's always going to be stuff that we just, even if it's just a perception that we just don't do as well as other things, there's always going to be weaknesses. Um, there's this big misconception that becoming a professional artist means getting really good at everything and mm. like not ever worrying that your art is like good enough. It's just not true. So uh, I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, we all suck at some things and there are days where we all hate our art. Yeah. That's just a part of the process. Yeah. Um, I, but think, I think anybody that gives off that image of everything being amazing probably is highly curating their image. Yes. Uh, if they show off like, oh, hey, I did a study of something that I never usually do and it looks amazing, it's probably because that turned out amazing <laughs> and they wouldn't be sharing it if it hadn't yes. turned out well. So just kind of keep that in mind yeah. when you see these artists that seem like they can do everything mm -hmm. and they're amazing at everything. You know, sometimes seeming like you are an enigma at art is it's like a great way to be a professional artist like there are people out there whose livelihoods depend on the image of them being really 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 good at art it's hard to sell your art if you are known as being someone who's a bit hit and miss and uh, does some things not as well as others so it's not you know i don't say this to shoot down other artists who do put that image forward but that is why you're seeing mm -hmm. that it's because we all are trying to put our best foot forward and all trying to make it in our own way sure. um, so naturally anyone who's feeling any insecurity about their art is unlikely to share that directly. Even yeah. like you and I, who are quite open about the things we struggle with, still won't show the absolute worst stuff. No. We'll still show stuff that either demonstrates our point the best we can, or is kind of the best of a bad bunch. So yeah. bear that in mind, first of all. But with all that said, like, why do we, like, what happens when we avoid things? Mm. So like, this is, you know, I'm talking about what, you know, avoiding things and like building a career by avoiding things and stuff. But like, why can't we just do that? Like, why is this an issue? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think there's a lot of reasons, but basically you're holding yourself back by avoiding these things. If you never address them, um, you're going to limit yourself to what you can do. And even if it's something you can ignore, and I, I've ignored stuff successfully for a decade, uh, eventually that's going to get to you. Uh, and you probably don't want to spend your entire life, your entire artistic life, avoiding things that you'd kind of like to be good at. So you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot by not addressing these things. 
because all of these things that are currently weaknesses for you could eventually become strengths. Uh, you could actually find that you end up really enjoying them. Um, and yeah, I, I've certainly found that to be the case and I think other people might too. I think I've also just found the, the mental game of hiding these great big areas mm. that you're really uncomfortable with. I don't do well with it. Um, it's something I'm trying to be more transparent about with my followers and with myself are those big areas of weaknesses because I carry them through my career like they're the skeletons in my closet. And I am naturally drawn towards artists who can do the things that I can't do and I kind of worship them like they're some kind of art god. Right. And it's unhealthy. It's not good to be dragging all this weight with me and thinking that this somehow that's real art and the stuff I'm doing mm -hmm. is not. And there is something really liberating about rather than carrying that around and just refusing to touch it, it's actually quite nice to just kind of go, okay, <laughs> open the closet door and go, <laughs> this is what we got, yeah. what can we do with this? Uh, I found that is actually one of the best ways to boost my confidence in art is not to push the stuff I'm good at further, but to actually turn back and go, so what is it that's making me not feel confident and start tapping into those bits? Yeah. Yeah, that's been a, a good thing for my artistic growth, good. I think. Good. Yeah. yeah, I usually find that these things are really terrifying, which is why we just ignore them. We, we don't even acknowledge that they exist. <laughs> but it's kind of like most fears and anxieties in life that when you actually turn around and face the thing, face the reality of the thing, do the annoying chore or whatever that you're putting off, it gets way easier. Yes. That it's that <laughs> anticipation and the you know existential dread of it in general. That's what really gets to you. Uh, if you just worry about hands, drawing hands, that hands just freak you out. You're constantly going to be just worried about them. When they come up, you're going to be freaking out because you're convinced you're terrible at them. And so you're going to put super high expectations in this has to be a really good one. And then it's going to turn out terribly because guess what is a great way to make bad art is <laughs> set super high expectations. Um, so you're just going to get yourself in this minefield. Whereas if you just acknowledge that, hey, I'm really bad at drawing hands, I'm going to work on this, suddenly it's like, oh, this is, this is a challenge, but it's an achievable challenge. Right, absolutely. So you've been saying about um, figures, uh, that has been one that you've really mm. had to work on. Do you want to share a little bit about what that looked like in <laughs> terms of like, how you faced it and what happened when you did? Right, because I, I, I always wanted to be a figurative artist. Even from when I was really young, like teenager, I wanted to be like a character artist and make cool character concept art. And I studied it all through college and I drew, you know, you know, life drawing classes all the time, took classes, did illustrations featuring figures. And then when I got out of school, it turns out that I'm a much better landscape painter. And that was, that was never the intention. I had always been studying figures. It just happens that a year or two before I graduated college, I got really good at landscape suddenly, and I could get paid doing that. And so that started about a decade worth of mostly doing landscape paintings. I would sneak figures in there. Sometimes they would turn out okay sometimes, especially when I had really, really, really good photo reference <laughs> that I often traced because, hey, I was an illustrator. Um, so. I was putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And the thing is, is I was practicing landscapes so much because I was doing them so much and they got very, very good, but I wasn't spending that much time practicing my figures for that time. So they got proportionally 
even worse. <laughs> uh, I don't think I got necessarily worse at painting figures. There was probably a few slumps I went through, but in in relation to my landscapes, they were, the you know, grew. yeah. So anytime I would post anything figurative to try to work on those skills, people would hate it. Uh, they would laugh at it, ridicule. It would, it would be really bad because you're seeing this really cool artist that you really like, and then they suddenly do something that looks relatively really bad, and it's it's kind of confusing. And people are not nice online, and so that just made me less and less inclined to work on these figures because, you know, social media has these kind of demands of you always need to be producing content, and making art for yourself is seen as bad. So everything has to be shown online, and you know, that has its own problems, <laughs> obviously. But um, yeah, that was that was something that I was dealing with. So finally, uh, a couple of years ago, I finally was like, okay, screw it, I'm going to dedicate myself to figures. I don't care if people think they're bad, uh, and I'm in fact not going to share them for a long time. And I didn't, I didn't share a lot of my early figure drawings. I was sitting there drawing every day, and just most of them were pretty bad but I didn't care, I was just working on them, and I would just spend days and days and days drawing figures. And eventually they started getting better. And in the last couple of years I ended up getting pretty good at figures. Um, eventually switching from just figure drawing to figure painting, and I'm pretty happy with where I got now. Um, which is why uh, I'm doing a book. Uh, I've got a Kickstarter uh, right now called Paint Figures Better, and it's about my journey on painting figures better. I wrote up the 55 tips that really helped me to finally get better after a decade of <laughs> not being that great. And uh, they're not necessarily the best tips in the world. They're not like every useful thing, but they were the ones that helped me push through that barrier and suddenly get better. So I put them all in a book and it's pretty unique. It's got a bunch of my art in it too. And uh, there's a digital version for if you're not in the States and yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. It ends next week, if you're listening to this when it airs. Um, but if not, uh, there, you'll still be able to buy the book after, after the Kickstarter. So there will be a link in the description for that. But um, yeah, that was a long-winded description no, on I mean, why, I, uh, yeah, why I great. sucked at figures for a long time. It's been really inspiring to see your journey because, uh, especially considering um, for the guys that you like don't know, Noah was an artist before I was and it was kind of through his guidance and stuff that I was able to start my own career. And so there was always this conception that you were the good artist and I was the student artist, <laughs> uh, which, you know, fine. Um, but there was something about watching you, like addressing stuff that you found challenging, even though I perceived this gap between you and I and seeing, you know, I'm like, oh, when you're a professional, you just, you, you're already good and you don't need to do this stuff and mm. there's never going to be problems with stuff like this. It's always going to look good. Right. Watching you take something that you struggled with and closing that gap and persevering was fascinating and encouraging and it really kind of shone a spotlight on my own nonsense. Mm. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, I, I'm so excited to see the book because like the tips that you've pulled together are so unique and that you were an artist who was successful for 10 years and then went back to that kind of student mindset and brought to it just a, a lot of stuff that you would have missed the first time around but because mm. of the experience you had you got to approach being a, a beginner in a sense um, with all this experience. Right. Um, so yeah I'm really excited to see that go to print it's gonna be a good one. Yeah. So yeah thanks for sharing that. Yeah.
Uh, I've had a similar issue with imaginative work, I would say. Mm. Um, I, I think that reference is great, obviously. Mm. <laughs> My career is built <laughs> around so. reference. I <laughs> use reference, I make reference, and I tell other people to use mm. reference. So use reference. That said, I have this great big, I don't know, um, insecurity, I guess, that I mm. love looking at people's imaginative work. Mm. I love seeing the stuff that people are doing beyond reference or without reference. I mean, I love seeing the way that people stylize reference. There's this whole other kind of sphere of stuff that I struggle with outside of reference. and. I kind of hit it for a long time by going real hard on the reference stuff, by driving up. It's okay that I can't do imaginative work because reference is great. It's so great, I'm gonna make it for you. Right. And that was a great crutch for a really long time, but every time I tried to bring my own worlds to life, the work got worse, it took longer, I was more miserable making it. And I found myself beating myself up, like when comparing myself to my artist friends who could just knock out imaginative drawings and it was really hard because that mental game that self-talk that's just looking and going well you can't do that and so I buried it for mm. a really long time and it's only in the last few months that uh, I've started to address it and kind of got outside my own head and I got a sketchbook mm -hmm and I call it my shitty sketchbook because I don't want to put this stuff in my nice sketchbook. Right. Uh, it's absurd. But I, I have a special sketchbook that is for my awful drawings and something about that just makes it just more acceptable to just mm -hmm. drop down to that level and go, okay, these are going to be terrible and it's okay. Um, I do them in pen because mm. correcting is my crutch as well. I do great big long paintings and I I spend hours doing my drawings and it means that I'm, rather than learning how to do that mark, I'm kind of pushing and pulling this mark and mm -hmm. like moving it around like clay. Yeah. Uh, great for paintings, not so good for practice. So I have my, my shitty sketchbook and my pen and I have done hundreds of these portraits at this point and the fun thing is they were terrible and the rate that they got better at was so addictive. It was so exciting to see that although there's this thing, this weight I've been carrying around that felt like this undefeatable art demon, mm. and I actually started trying and got rid of that stupid talk in my head. We're talking a couple of weeks to right. go from this is awful to I'm pretty good at this yeah. now. <laughs> um, it's amazing how when you actually face it, yeah. it starts to come together. It's never, just like you said, it's never quite as bad as you think it's no, going to be. it's really not. Um, and that kind of leans on an additional point there that whenever you start something new, when you um, pick up a new skill or something, you guys might have heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's quite popular. It's kind of t tied into like imposter syndrome. Um, so that there's a theory that kind of the less you know about something, the more you think you know about something and vice versa, the more you know about something, the less you think you know. Right. And uh, the fun thing is that by dipping into something that you're not very good at, instead of me spending hours and hours and hours doing the stuff that, you know, my reference studies and stuff and leaning on the stuff I'm already good at, mm -hmm. by jumping into something I'm not very good at, first of all, I get the, the buzz of being like, oh, I'm really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but I feel great about it. Right. And secondly, it actually is just easier to make those gains in the beginning mm -hmm. that like those first kind of 
early days of acquiring a skill, just objectively you pick it up faster than you can oh, yeah. those like incremental changes as you get better at something. Yeah. So there's so much potential. It's not just a case of like forcing yourself to drudge through the things you're bad at. There's actually just a lot of potential to mm. accelerate and have fun by facing that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's for me, it's some of the most fun that I have with art. I always loved learning stuff. Uh, any new skill or anything like that, I'm just fascinated by. And by switching up the subject matter of what I was learning, and this would apply for equally well for a different medium or different tool or something, but by switching it up like that, I got to basically get a fresh start on art. Um, mm -hmm. Like it was different enough that I was like, oh, I, I don't know this stuff. Yep. There's different ways to approach figures that is so radically different from how I approach landscapes and, and I've ever approached landscapes. And it's, it's kind of fascinating to, to see those differences and get to play with something so brand new. Mm -hmm. um, I just loved it. It's just like playing. Yeah. If you can, I mean, it can be hard to get to, and actually that's something we should talk about. But if you can reach that mindset, it's, it's really fun. Yeah. So, yeah, what, what about when people struggle with that mindset? This is something that I've struggled a lot with. Is mm. You know, we're talking about this from the perspective of, people who enjoy um, learning right. and um, also people who have some amount of success that means that we can play around and take mm -hmm. some time out to practice sure. without threatening our income or like worrying about making bills and stuff. Right. So there's a certain safety blanket you and I have. Absolutely. Um, what advice do we have for like those who just, when they sit down to, to work on the stuff that they're bad at, are just, you know, struggling with really negative self-talk. Mm. Um, what kind of things can we do? So one of the main ones I'd suggest is focusing more on the learning rather than doing good stuff. Because uh, that's one of the things that'll get everyone is that you're used to doing good stuff for your, for your other drawings or paintings or whatever. And then you're learning something new and it's not that good. Mm. Uh, so you don't want to compare what you're doing for your studies for learning something new to the stuff you've, you're already good at, because uh, that's just going to depress you, because uh, it's, it's always just going to be worse, and it's going to be worse for a long time. Like if I compared my figure studies to my landscapes, they'd still struggle to compete, uh, even now, uh, two, two years of studies later, and still it's like, ah, you know, some of the figures are okay, but like, yeah, that, that's where we're at. Whereas if you compare them to the stuff that you've been doing recently, suddenly that's where you see the progress. And I think that's an important thing to do, uh, both so you can see the progress, which is really encouraging, and also to make sure you're kind of headed in the right direction. Uh, I think a lot of us get down on ourselves when we're studying that we're not learning, we're not learning fast enough, um, and it's easy to lose sight of that because art takes a long, long, long time to learn. It does. It is an incredibly slow skill to acquire. and pretty much nobody has figured out how to get somebody to learn art super fast. Uh, it's just, it barely ever happens. A few flukes have existed that did, but even then it's pretty slow. Uh, so it's just a slow skill. So you don't see that progress happening day to day. Like your figure drawings are just not gonna be that good, especially as you get better. Those incremental increase in skill is just so tiny and it happens over the course of months and you're gonna be the only one who notices it. So it, that's why I think it's important to look back over your work over the last you know, couple months, uh, even a couple years, and see like, okay, yeah, these are, these are definitely on average better than what I was doing mm -hmm. before. 
Um, so that's just one thing that I like to do. I think um, that I think that we need some measure of success in order mm. to keep wanting to pursue something. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when it comes to studying something we're bad at, the usual metrics don't apply. So usually, especially with art, we have this kind of visual feedback of, you know, you keep coming back to it because you liked how something looked, because you were succeeding at something, and you're like, this is my thing, I'm doing well at it. You start doing something you're not good at and you just lose that feedback. It's just, there is no success, you're only seeing negative. Um, I think that it's important to find a replacement for that. So for me, it's usually in volume. That one does a lot for me. Mm. Um, And I think, so like just literally saying, I am going to do two pages of really bad sketches. Mm -hmm. Um, That helps me a lot because it's nothing to do with how good they are or how much I'm learning or whether they're better than they were yesterday or even two months ago. It's just, I did the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think that there are some narrative tricks you can kind of play with Mm. that. So one of the things you might find yourself doing is like telling yourself that a real artist wouldn't be struggling with this or that your good art, the stuff that you feel strongest at, is a lie and a cover for the stuff that you can't do, that it's all bravado, and all these kind of like negative things that just you sit down to do bad stuff and you're like, I, I hate this, I feel awful. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, a lot of that stuff is just not true, just mm-hmm. objectively not true, and it's possible to just reframe it. So the first step is catching yourself. I like to, whenever I feel that kind of it's usually kind of like an anger or a frustration, something mm-hmm. bubbling in my chest, and I just, I just want to throw my pen across the room. Um, and I try to catch that. So when I feel that happening, I try to try to identify what was in my head that was making that come mm. up. It's really the drawing in front of me. Mm. It's much more likely to be what I'm telling myself about the drawing in front of me. Um, it's usually something like you're no good at this or you're not learning fast enough or everyone's going to realize that you're crap at art or mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it is. Right. Uh, and so to kind of just remove yourself from that and say, what was the voice? What was it saying? Um, I like to try and replace that with something a bit more productive and true. There's no point in like telling yourself nonsense. True. Uh, you don't need to say something like, it's a really good drawing if you can objectively mm. see it's not. But realizing that every single artist who is in any position that we admire has done a mountain of awful work. Mm. Like failure is such a huge part of being an artist. It's you cannot become a good artist by only doing good drawings. Mm. Everyone has done terrible, far more terrible drawings <laughs> than they've done good drawings. Yes. Um, I like to try and remind myself when I see another terrible drawing, I'm like, you did another one. Yep. <laughs> it's another one to add to the mountain. Yeah. There's one less to do before you get to where you want to be. Um, stuff like that is just really helpful. Um, just kind of finding a way to measure yourself outside of how well you're doing, like how good right. the outcome is. Um, it makes me proud of myself when I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's awful. But you did another one yep. <laughs> and you're going to go and do another one and that's going to be even better because you're in a bad mood and you're still doing another one. Yeah. Um, that gives me a lot bit of success. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I did a good thing. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, the big difference between us and the people we admire is that they stuck at it and mm-hmm. kept going through those. Yep. And so there's something really nice about being, you're like, oh, 
I can be that person too. I can I can keep going even though this sucks. And that gives its own kind of thrill and success. Yeah, absolutely. It's really good. Um, so yeah, I think it takes training and it takes persistence. Um, I don't succeed at it all the time. <laughs> I really don't. I'm a very emotional person, no one can attest. And it's not always easy. Mm. But the more you practice, I think that awareness is the first step, just seeing the things you're telling yourself, the patterns and where they originate and trying to stop it before it spirals into its own little thing. Yeah. I think that's a great way to, yeah. to start on that road. I think another trick you can use to kind of help that not happen of not feeling terrible and awful about all your studies is make sure you're not challenging yourself too much. Mm, that's good. Uh, I think a lot of people make this mistake. They're like, okay, well, you know, just making art is super easy and fun. Studying art has to be miserable and awful. <laughs> uh, it doesn't, it shouldn't be in fact. Uh, it should be pretty difficult. It should be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, it should never be, I'm just gonna be a complete failure at this. <laughs> like for instance, if you've never done figures before, all you've done is landscapes, you shouldn't start with, I'm gonna do a life-size 12 figure composition. You just shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> Uh, there are like levels to this mm -hmm. of yes you're gonna fail at that but there are smaller failures that you can do and you shouldn't be failing completely you should be failing a little bit it should be a little bit uncomfortable a little bit outside of that range of what you can do and that's where the optimal learning is gonna happen you don't want to just completely you know destroy yourself with these studies mm -hmm. it's it's not helpful uh, I know I know that desire to want to get better faster and be like, all right, I'm going to do this really hard thing. It's going to be super hard. I'm going to hate it. And, but it's not actually that helpful to do. Uh, it's helpful to actually rein that in a little bit and do something you can actually do. It's kind of like if you're lifting weights, it doesn't help you to pick up something you can't pick up. Uh, if you just like go to do a squat and you literally get crushed under the bar, you're not probably stronger you mm -hmm. just died um so it, it doesn't help it helps to do something that you can do that's uncomfortable to do but you can actually get through it mm -hmm. so make sure you're not going too far because it's it's gonna wreck your you know emotional health and stuff because you're just gonna feel like oh my god i'm never gonna be able to do this because it feels so daunting at that point so try to rein in those expectations yeah. and goals and assignments and stuff. It's a really good one. Um, it's easy to assume that you just need to, if you feel like you're bad at something, that you just need to do the thing. Right. Um, there are absolutely ways to kind of tickle the edges before mm -hmm. you sort of break into the real nitty gritty. Yeah. Um, so one trick I use for my like imaginative stuff, because I knew that my imaginative drawings were going to be horrible, uh, I started doing, you know, using reference, but um, like drawing things from different angles mm -hmm. or combining two images and things like that just like tricks yeah. that are working those imaginative skills without just jumping in without a life ring yeah. so yeah. yeah um it's also a great way to bring a bit of balance into all this too mm. so that's something that comes up for me when i'm trying to address what i'm bad at mm. one of the things that comes up i'm like i barely have time to do the things that mm -hmm. i'm good at let alone right. also <laughs> take on this monster endeavor yeah so that is a nice way of finding that is you can do stuff like this um, in like a incremental way, incorporating it into the work you're already doing. It doesn't mm. need to be this marathon like monster task that runs alongside everything else you're doing. It can mm. be piece by piece, just 
incorporating elements and like right. growing it organically. Yeah. Um, because yeah, you don't want to take on something that you struggle at and let it just dominate your time, sap your energy, and like make you just doubt everything about yourself and your endeavors. Mm -hmm. um, to take on that little like little bit at a time it allows you to keep a little bit of your yourself intact and not right. just surrender your whole self to this, which is not going to feel good. Well, I do sometimes do that. So you do, but you're it's, strange. It's actually in my book. <laughs> I actually talk about this is one of the suggestions. Is sometimes. I think it actually is good to just like dive in. It's mm. almost like taking an intensive course or something. Like, you know, it's, it's what you do all day, every day. It's mm -hmm. all you think about. For me, that sometimes helps. Yeah. Uh, like, for instance, you suggested earlier this year that I should work on my portraits. Mm -hmm. You were like, your figures are looking good, but your portraits are like, eh, they're okay. And I looked at them and yeah, they, they were okay. They were never like, yeah, this is great. Like they had gotten better, but they weren't phenomenal. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll work on that. And so when we went away, um, I just, I was like, okay, I'm gonna study heads every day. <laughs> and I studied heads every day for a month or two. Yeah. And in a month or two, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm better now. Like I just, I just got better. Yeah. Uh, so it's, Sometimes I think like dedicating yourself to something can can be beneficial um, because it's it can mm -hmm. it's all you're thinking about so you're wrapped up in it and so you can make those those progresses a little bit faster yeah. but it is something that it's all a balancing act like it's not feasible to do that for the rest of your life for everything you want to learn yes. like at some point you have to do other things besides just what you're mm -hmm. learning so yeah. um, it, it's it is all a balancing yeah. act. I think it also depends on who you are as a person as well. Yeah. Uh, some people love stuff like that. Some people can't tolerate stuff like that. It's Absolutely. really just finding finding what makes you excited to work with stuff, yes. basically. Yeah. Whatever it takes to make you think that this is going to be actually kind of fun yeah. and not miserable yeah. um, is the way to go. Absolutely. It's, it's one of my like go-to advices for people that are like looking into this stuff is no matter what, read any advice out there and you could probably do the exact opposite and turn out okay. Like anything. <laughs> like, oh, work-life balance is really important. You could flip that and say work-life balance doesn't matter and probably succeed in life and just like have no balance in life, absolutely obsessive with your art and you might do okay. Mm -hmm. It might make a lot of people miserable and it probably does, but it might make some people really happy. Mm -hmm. uh, so basically any advice you can think of if it if it sounds bad to you or it just doesn't work for you you've tried it try doing something else like you yeah. don't have to not every piece of advice works for everyone it's there just literally is no advice to do with art that i think is universally applicable mm -mm. it would be a stretch other than saying that drawing is important mm. uh, you have to practice <laughs> well, yeah you get into fine art and maybe you yeah, don't but, um, yeah but yes, yeah, it's there's, there's very few universals. So uh, yeah. just take everything with giant grains of salt. Yeah. So, um, so let's on talk, to? I think, so we just kind of have to wrap this up now with kind of the consequences of doing this stuff. So we talked in the beginning about the consequences of like ignoring this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, there can be consequences to doing stuff without it. So we've already been talking about that mindset and stuff, but uh, how about like if you're um, you 
friends think it looks bad or your followers right. start unfollowing you or yep. you stop getting hired like how yeah. do we deal with the that side of things because i mean that's like a real concern it's kind of what kept me from doing figures for a long time is those consequences mm -hmm. that people were you know ridiculing me i felt bad about my art because i was like well i'm bad at this so maybe i'm just a bad artist um, so there's there's obviously a bunch of things you can do. One thing, honestly, just make a new profile just yeah. just for this. Uh, I think it should be more kind of acceptable online to just make a new profile for a new type of art you want to do, mm -hmm. and just throw it all on there. And that way you still get to show it off. You can even acknowledge like, hey guys, here's this thing I'm trying to learn. Um, so I think that's that's something you can do. And I think it's great to be frank with. It and really just throw it all out there. I wish that everyone online was more comfortable being like, hey, here's this new thing I'm trying. Here's some new experiments. Here's some failed practice. Because I think that stuff's really cool. Mm -hmm. Like if I get to go to a museum and see, you know, a Rembrandt sketch or something like that, and it's an unfinished sketch and it looks kind of rough, I think that's amazing because you get to see the mind behind the person mm -hmm. doing this stuff. And I love seeing like rough work like that. I find it a lot more fascinating often than the finished stuff. <laughs> and I wish more people would share that stuff because I think it's really cool. Um, so that's, those are just a couple thoughts. Did you yeah. have any thoughts I on do. that? Um, another thing you can do is obviously there's the whole like, don't show it. So there's my, sure. my sketchbook that no one sees. I have um, those too. Yeah, it's yep. true. So there's obviously the like, don't show it off. Um, doesn't work for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. I'm a very social person and I feel like I need that connection with my community in order to, to really thrive. Yeah. Um, so something you can do is do something like a, like a study group or mm. like a, get some trusted relationships that you're like, we can kind of do this together. Mm -hmm. So I have a little study group um, and we just kind of, we don't feel afraid to share the stuff we're doing. We mm. kind of bounce ideas off each other. We'll share our like rough, study kind of work and the thing is we do get then that nice validation and the feedback so we're still getting that you know I did a thing this looks great and then it's like the exchange we're looking for when we share stuff on social mm. media but without the wider implications of people laughing at you or people unfollowing you or whatever it is mm. um, so yeah there are ways of kind of taking that work and putting it in a, like a safer space mm. um, and it's actually quite nice it's nice to be approached and have like someone say hey um, is there anything you wanted to work on because mm. I really want to work on this and I could do it with the accountability and that person's usually like oh yeah actually you know 100% there is some stuff I want to work on and I'm yeah. kind of shy about it so I'm really grateful that you reached right. out with this so yeah I think you don't need to if isolation doesn't work for you there are ways around that I just share my art with you yeah. <laughs> All the art that I don't share online, yeah. I'm just like, hey, look and at I this. Love it. a cool drawing. It's pretty good. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think. Is that about everything? Yeah. Yeah. That looks like it. It feels pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And just self-promotion time. Uh, there's even more of this kind of stuff in, in the book. So um, go check out my Kickstarter or just the website, depending on when you're listening to this. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's going to be really cool. I, I talk about all these kind of things and what helped me study. So yeah. it's something I'm going to keep doing too, uh, which I'm really excited about. Not just keep learning figures, but also take some of these lessons and start applying them to other subjects like animals. I was always terrible at animals and still terrible at animals. I haven't started studying them yet, so I'm still really bad. But it's one of those like, hey, I got good at figures. Why can't I get good at animals maybe? 
Um, mm. I also want to apply it to landscapes because you've talked about wanting to study landscapes. Yeah, so basically I thought, doing the reverse of your paint figures better. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I don't know how to do landscapes. <laughs> Maybe we could address that. So we might learn landscapes. That'd be fun. So, so yeah, this was, this was fun. Cool. Was, yeah. All right. Hope you've enjoyed this. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.